After leaving Arafa, after leaving Arafa, the pilgrims they uh, head towards Muzdalifa, a place called Muzdalifa. After the sunset on the day of Arafa, the pilgrims they head towards Muzdalifa. And they should live with tranquility and peace, in a peaceful way. Unlike some Hijaj, start fighting, harming each other, who's going to get in the buses first? Now, the pilgrims should not harm one another, each other. They should live peacefully. If they were told to wait for their turn, Especially now with the crowd, the Hajj now is millions of people make Hajj. Three, four millions make Hajj. And not everybody is going to make it to Muzdalifa in half an hour or one hour. But they take their turns. They take their turns. So, no pushing, no fighting. But unfortunately, you see things happen like that on the Hajj, on the day of Arafah. So once they, 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 they make it to Muzdalifa, they choose a place and they sit in it. They settle in it. But they have to make sure there is Muzdalifa. Of course, if they take the buses, Alhamdulillah, those buses, they're going to take them to their camps. The same number. They take them to the camps reserved for those people in Muzdalifa reserved for them. Because the Sheikh says for those who for example are walking, they should make sure they are inside the boundaries of Muzdalifa. If they just sit somewhere and spend the whole night until Fajr and then they find out that there was not Muzdalifa, then they have a problem. But this, he says, in our days, alhamdulillah, the government, khairan, they put signs, big sign posts that tell you that Muzdalifa starts right here and Muzdalifa ends here. Same thing in Arafat, same things for Mina. They tell you where the boundaries of Mina, the boundaries of Muzdalifa and Arafat. Likewise, another indication in Muzdalifa that you see the lights. The lights are strong and very bright in Muzdalifa. 
the lights are very bright in Muzdalif. That's another indication. But still, you want to make sure that you are in Muzdalif. That's the point number one. Point number two. What is the first thing the pilgrims do once they arrive to Muzdalifah? The first thing they do is to pray Maghrib and Isha. <coughs> Together. Combined between Maghrib and Isha. With one Adhan and two Iqama. Why? Because this is what the Prophet ﷺ did. Whether the pilgrims, they arrived to Muzdalifah after Isha comes in or before Isha comes in. Once they arrive, the first thing they do, the one of them called the Adhan, and then for Maghrib, one Adhan, then the Iqama for Salat al-Maghrib, they pray it together, and then another Iqama immediately is called for Isha, and they pray Isha two rak'at instead of four. Maghrib stays three rak'at, while Isha is shortened to two rak'at. The Sheikh says, and the combining, even whether you, you arrive before Isha or after Isha, because some people, once they arrive, before Isha, because some people, some groups who they be the first one to leave, it take them only 10 minutes in a bus or 15 minutes at the most and they make it. So they may arrive before Isha, maybe half an hour, 25 minutes or more or less. Some of them what they do, they just pray Maghrib and wait until Isha. But the Sheikh, he says, no, you, you, as soon as you get there, you combine. Sheikh Mulazaymin, rahimahullah, he said the same thing in Sharh al-Mumta. He said, especially now in, in the Ziham, in the crowd, so whenever the pilgrims, they make it to Muzdalifah, if they make it after Isha time, they pray Maghrib and Isha together. If they make it before Isha, they still pray Maghrib and Isha together. The Sheikh, says, A mistake that the pilgrims commit, some of the pilgrims, unfortunately, many of them, as long as, as far as our experience, seen a lot of people doing this. As soon as they arrive, instead to follow the sunnah, by doing what the Prophet did, which to pray Maghrib and Isha immediately, now these people, they busy themselves with collecting the pebbles. they be collecting the pebbles instead of praying. All of us should know, and especially these ones, that the Messenger of Allah did not collect pebbles until he left Muzdalifah actually, the next morning after Fajr. When he left Muzdalifah and on his way to the Jamrat al-Aqaba, one of the companions, he collected some pebbles to the Prophet, for the Prophet ﷺ, not in Muzdalif. So this is a big mistake that the people, they do. 
Likewise, the ulama they mentioned that once you pray Maghrib and Isha, you lay down, get some rest until Fajr. Because the Prophet ﷺ, he didn't revive that night with recitation of Quran, with dhikr or salat or anything. So, you follow the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. If you're hungry, you can eat. You want to use the bathroom, alhamdulillah, but then you lay down. Lay down and sleep until Fajr. Point number three. That the pilgrims, they spend the night, the night of the Eid, because that's the night right before the day of the Eid, in Muzdalifah until the morning, until Fajr. As the Messenger of Allah did. As the Prophet did, the Prophet when he arrived to Muzdalifah, he spent the night in it. He didn't leave. Muzdalifa in a night. Prophet ﷺ, he stayed in Muzdalifa and he spent the night in it. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He said, so whoever leave the Shaykh Abdul Muhsin Harutali says, whoever leave Muzdalifa before the half of the night, that person has an expiation has to expiate for that which is the blood to be shed meaning to slaughter an animal where is a goat or a sheep or can share with six other people in a camel or a cow in a camel or in a cow And by the way, uh, the ulama, they mention the, uh, the uh, age and uh, the age of these uh, animals are the same age applied on the animals of Udhiyah for the Eid. The camel has to be at least five years and, old, and older. The cow has to be at least two years and older. The goat has to be at least one year. One year and older, not younger than one year. And the sheep, a dutton, has to be at least six months and older. And of course, have to be free from the uyub, defects, such as it shouldn't be limping, shouldn't be sick, or shouldn't be uh, weak, like have no meat in it, and the like. Now, likewise, the Sheikh he says it is not permissible to to make tawaf al ifada nor rami jamrat al aqaba before the half of the night. وليس لتلك العبادة وليس لتلك الليلة عبادة مخصوصة. الشيخ says this night has no specific worship like salat or that has to be performed 
or other than it except the witr prayer except the witr prayer that the Muslim he performed the witr prayer in every night so the person pray the witr inshallah yes did you say five or two years for the camel five years for the camel at least two that's the minimum has to be at least two years for the cow and at least five years for the camel. <coughs> at least, meaning it has to be two and up, two and a half, three, four, five, and like. So the Sheikh says, Laylat Muzdalifa, you sleep. There is no uh, specific ibadah, salat, or other than that, except the water prayer. A person, those people who used to pray water before they sleep, Allah, before they sleep, they pray the water. Those who they get up, alhamdulillah, they wait until they get up before Hajar and pray water. Rabi'an, point number four. When Fajr comes in, the pilgrims, they pray the Fajr prayer. And they don't delay it. They should pray it in the beginning of its time. As soon as Fajr comes in, they pray it. Why? So that they can write immediately after they finish the prayer, they face the Qibla and make dua. See, Hajj always ibadah. Not talk. Some people, they just spend all Hajj talking to each other. If you really are traveling with a friend of yours and you got the habit to talk, he shouldn't be your friend in Hajj. You shouldn't even be next to him in Hajj. It's very, it's, it will be better for you not to share with him the same room, not to be next to him in Mina or in Arafah or Muzdalifah because you're going to be talking. Rather be somewhere that you can remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or tell your friend, Akhi, look, when we go back to the States, we can talk all we want. Right now, let us remember Allah. Let us take advantage of this opportunity, okay? But of course, if he has a question, you have a question, you want to go somewhere, you can talk to each other. But not like just sit there and spend hours just talking about America, talking about sports. No. Don't do that. <coughs> Don't make that mistake. So the Sheikh says, as soon as Fajr comes in, you pray Fajr. We have to make sure in its time. Sheikh Al-Uthaymin, rahimahullah, he mentioned in his book, Fiqh Al-Ibadat, in the mistakes in, uh, in, in Musdalifah, he says you find certain people, they be calling the Adhan one hour, two hours before Fajr. Why? They just want to do it to pray and leave. Jihadiyah, ignorance. They start, and, and if you make, if you make Hajj, you will see these things. The ulama, they don't bring these things from their mind. These are things are realities, it happens. And you may see it, you may see people, subhanAllah, an hour away, Allah, early, two hour and a half, some groups are already calling the Adhan. And some of them you tell them, oh, it's not time, it's like, oh, subhanAllah, I'm sorry. Some people, they don't care, and they pray and pack and leave. And they, these people, they pray before the time. And you remember why we're saying this, because some, if you go with certain groups, that's, it takes one person to do one thing, and people follow him. Yes, it takes one group to pack and leave. That's it. You see other people following them. It takes one group to call the Adhan and start praying. 
You find many people starting calling the Adhan again and praying. They don't know, but you have to make sure you pray in time. So one Fajr comes in, you pray at the earliest time when the Fajr comes in, and then you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, dhikr dua, until you become very light, bright, but, but you leave before sunrise. You leave still, you don't wait there until sunrise. Why? Because, as once again, the Shaykh Hidin mentioned it here, but Shaykh Al-Uthaymeen, he mentioned the reason why, because the Mushrikeen, they used to stay in Muzdalifah until sunrise. Now, he says, no, those who stay until sunrise, now they, they oppose the Sunnah of the Prophet and they agree with the way of the Mushrikeen. Likewise in Arafat, you don't live until sun, sunset. The Mushrikun, they used to live before sunset. So this is what the Prophet did that morning after he prayed Fajr in Muzdalifah. He faced the Qibla وسلم, and made a long dua <coughs> until he became light. The darkness is gone, and before sunrise, the Prophet ﷺ left Muzdalifah. As it is mentioned in the long hadith of Jabir, and also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al Baqarah, verse 198, So once you leave Arafah, Arafat, remember Allah at al Mash'ar al-Haram. And remember him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, as he has guided you to this. And remember that before his guidance, you were misguided. al Mash'ar al-Haram here, that is mentioned, the Shaykh says, is Muzdalifah. Because Muzdalifah is inside the Haram. Muzdalifah and Mina is inside the Haram. The sanctuary of Mecca. Arafah is not. Arafah is outside the Haram. And that's why some people sometimes they be playing and, and then they they cut off a branch or a leaf from a tree and they're like, oh, Ihram, Haram. Actually, this has nothing to do with the Ihram, it has to do with the Haram. Of course, when you're in a sanctuary of Mecca in the Haram, you don't cut no trees, okay? No branches. But in Arafah, it's okay. But Sheikh Muratimini says, doesn't mean it's okay, go ahead and start digging out trees. He says, no, it's not permissible, especially those trees that are put there by the government for the benefit of the Hujaj to bring some shade. No, no one has the right to, to move those trees. You see? Because now this is an oppression against the Hajjaj because the government they put those trees to get some shape because it gets very hot. Okay? Number five, the Shaykh says the weak amongst the women and children and the like of them, people with conditions. It's permissible for them to leave Muzdalifah 
towards Mina uh, after the the last after the the middle of the night has gone towards the last part of the night they can leave meaning they don't have to stay until Fajr. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ has given permission for them. Prophet ﷺ, in his Hajj, he gave permission for such individuals, the weak amongst women, those people accompanied by children, or elderly people and the like with conditions. These people, they are exempt from spending the whole night in Muzdalifah. They leave before Fajr. Because of the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar anhuma, that is collected by Imam al-Bukhari and Muslim, and also in the hadith of Ibn Abbas anhuma, that is agreed upon by Imam Bukhari and Muslim, hadith of Asma ibn Abi Bakr anhuma, also in hadith al-Bukhari and Muslim, hadith of Aisha anha, also that is agreed upon by Imam al-Bukhari and Muslim. However, Asma ibn Abi Bakr anha, Shaykh Ibn Atameen mentioned, that she, was, she used to look at the Qamar, the moon, Ghurub al-Qamar that they left because, because Shaykh al-Uthaymeen rahimahullah ta'ala he says the Prophet allowed the people with conditions to leave before Fajr when it's still night but the Prophet didn't tell us what time of that in the night Shaykh al-Uthaymeen rahimahullah ta'ala he says so that time we know it from the action of a companion Asma bint Abi Bakr radiallahu anhuma, she, she noticed, she was looking at the moon. Once the moon disappears, the moon, you will see it, is over there, the Qamar, but then it disappears, alhamdulillah. And I, and I watched it a couple of times, and yes, it starts fading, fading, fading until it's gone. And that's the time when those people, they're supposed to leave. We ask Shaykh Salih al-Suhaymi, he says usually uh, it's, it's an hour to an hour, 15 minutes after the last of the night, at the middle of the night. When it's the middle of the night, and remember the middle of the night is not always midnight. It's the half of it. Between Maghrib and Fajr, you see that time divide and half. Shaykh Salih al-Suhaymi told us, yes, that's where the time where the moon, and we we, we, we looked at it, we were still up that day, that night, alhamdulillah, and yes, you see the moon, if you can see it, because sometimes it may be cloudy, you might not see it, but that year, alhamdulillah, we saw it, we looking at it until it was gone, and they say, that's the time when the people, they should leave, Shaykh Muhammad says, because now we have an action of a, of a companion, from the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So now we understood from here on benefit that those who have no conditions, mashallah, they stay until until Fajr, until they pray Fajr Muzdalifah and make dua and then leave before sun sunrise. Not like whenever they see people leaving, oh let's pack up one they strong hell. It's different, the ulama they says if a person is in charge of a group of people that they are Elderly, sick, children, women with condition, people with condition, that person can live with them because they cannot go without him. See? 
included if someone has his wife with him, has his children with him, somebody has his parents or grandparents and the like, elderly with conditions, those people, even though they're young, strong, they can still accompany their loved ones. Now I'm going to read to you what the pilgrims do in the in the, the day of the Eid, which is now the tenth of the Hijjah. Now we're on the tenth of the Hijjah. So the pilgrims they already passed Arafat and passed Muzdalifah, and you're not going to go back to this one. That's it. Once you pass Arafah and Muzdalifah, there's no return to them until next year if you want to make Hajj again, inshallah. Okay? So now, what, what the pilgrims do in this day, the 10th of the Hijjah, which is the day of the Eid, like for those people who are not making Hajj, they have the Eid. Okay? All over the world, alhamdulillah, they celebrate the Eid al-Adha on the 10th of the Hijjah. But what the Hijjahs do in this, year, in this day? Four things they do. There are four things that they do in this day. Ramiyu Jamrat al-Aqaba. They throw the pebbles in Jamrat al-Aqaba only. There is three Jamarat, but only the Jamrat al-Aqaba. And the slaughter of the Hadi. Okay. Halq al-Sha'ri. Sha'ri al-Ra'si aw taqsiru. Shaving the head or trimming it. That's three. وطواف الإفادة والسعي بعده لمن كان عليه سعي. And the tawaf al-ifadah, the tawaf for hajj. And the sa'i for those who uh, have to make sa'i. Who has to make sa'i on this day? Who remember? Who has to make sa'i? Or in another way, who doesn't have to make say on this day? Tamatu doesn't have to make say. Huh? No, the mutamatti has to make say. Because the mutamatti alayhi tawafan wa sa'yan. The one who makes tamatu has to make two tawafs and two say. The one who does not make say on this day is the Qarin and the Mufrid with one condition. What is it? If they did it when they came, Ahsant. When they do Tawaf al-Qudum, the first Tawaf when they just came, if they make Sa'i, that Sa'i actually is counted for their Hajj. And on the day of the Eid, they do only Tawaf. But if they didn't do it, then they have to do it. Now, This is what the Prophet ﷺ did on this day, in this order. Jamrat al-Aqaba first, the slaughter, the shaving of the head, and tawaf and sa'id, in this order. It's better, it's not an obligation, it's not obligatory, but it is better to perform these four actions 
in this order. And by this you will follow the example of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Point number two in these actions of the day of the Eid. The Shaykh says, but since some of the companions, Alayhim, they did not follow this order, the order of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu they asked him. Some of them when they were told, okay, some of the companions, they were told that the Prophet Sallallahu did the Jamrat Al-Aqaba, followed it with the slaughter, then he shaved, then he made tawaf and zakat. Some of them didn't do it this way. They did everything, but they didn't do it in this order. So they came to him, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But the Prophet sallallahu alaihi says there is nothing wrong with that. It's okay. Some of them they say, yeah, Umar Rasulullah. We shaved before we slaughtered. Some they say they slaughtered before they do the Jamrat al-Aqaba. Some they shave before the throwing the paper Jamrat al-Aqaba. Some they did Tawaf al-Ifada, then they do Jamrat al-Aqaba. Some they even do Jamrat al-Aqaba in the evening, because the Prophet ﷺ, he did it in the morning. Prophet ﷺ, he did it in the morning, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Some they did say before tawaf. Prophet ﷺ, he made say after tawaf. Now, and we have the hadith of Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As, radiyallahu anhuma. أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وقف في حجة الوداع فجعلوا يسألونه The Prophet in his farewell hajj the people began to ask him questions فقال رجل a man said لم أشعر فحلقت قبل أن أذبح The man says I slaughtered before I throw the pebbles of Jamrat al-Aqaba. Qala irmi wa la haraj. Prophet said to that man, go and do the Jamrat al-Aqaba. It's okay. There is nothing against you. فما سئل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يوم إذن عن شيء قدم ولا أخر إلا قال فعل ولا حرج. The companion رضي الله عنه says, will you not there is not a question that the Prophet ﷺ asked. He was asked by the companions, except that he told them, go do it. It's okay. When they told him we did something before this, not following the order that the Prophet ﷺ did. And this is collectively Imam al-Bukhari, Imam Muslim. In another narration of Sayyid Muslim, from Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As radiallahu anhumah who says سَمِعْتُ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَمْ وَأَتَاهُ رَجُلٌ يَوْمَ النَّحْلِ وَهُوْ وَاقِفٌ عِنْدَ الْجَمَرَ فَقَالِ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ إِنِّي حَلَقْتُ قَبْلَ أَنْ أَرْمِي قَالَ إِرْمِي وَلَا حَرْجُ I heard the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 
on the day of the slaughter, the day of the Eid, while the Prophet ﷺ, he was standing by the Jamrat al-Aqaba, a man came to him and says, O oh, Messenger of Allah, I shaved my head before I, I throw the Jamrat al-Aqaba. The Prophet ﷺ, he said to him, do it, it's okay. وَعَتَاهُ آخر فَقَالَ إِنِّي ذَبَحْتُ قَبْلَ أَنْ أَرْمِي Another man came to the Prophet وسلم, he says, I slaughtered the hadi before I did Jamrat al-Aqaba. قَالَ إِرْمِي وَلَا حَرَجُ He said to him, do Jamrat al-Aqaba, nothing against you. وَعَتَاهُ آخر فَقَالَ أَفَدْتُ إِلَى الْبَيْتِ قَبْلَ أَنْ أَرْمِي Another man came to the Prophet وسلم, he says, that he made tawaf before he do Jamrat al-Aqaba. Prophet said, Ermi wala haraj. He said to him, just do Jamrat al-Aqaba. It's okay, there is nothing against you. Qala Abdullah ibn Amr radiallahu anhuma, fama ra'aytuhu su'ila yawma ibn anshay, illa qala fa'alu wala haraj. He said, I did not see the messenger of Allah when he was asked about anything except that he does. He said to the, the questioner, go do it, it's okay. He mentioned another hadith also that a couple of other narrations they have the same thing. The ulama they mention here if al wala haraj this pertaining to the order this pertaining to this order of these four actions. However, some people, they expand this to the whole hajj. People tell them, look, uh, he passed the miqat without ihram. No, no, haraj. Prophet said, no, haraj. No, the Prophet didn't say, no, haraj in this one. So people, they were like, can they spend the night in Mina and Muzdalifah? Uh, no problem, no, haraj. And the ulama, they address this. They says, no, this is not what he meant by the Prophet when he says, if wala haraj. Go ahead and do it, it's nothing against you. Now this is for those people who they perform what they're supposed to do in the right way as legislated, but just they find out that they didn't do it in the order that the Prophet did it. And because the companions, they were subhanAllah, they want to do exactly what the Prophet did. You see, the companions, when they heard this, they asked. So now, even though the ulama, they says, for us, that we come way after the companions, hundreds of years, yes, it's permissible for you to slaughter first, then shave, then tawaf, but it's better for you to do it the way that the Prophet did it. It's better. It's better for you to do it that way to the best of your ability. But if some people, for example, because sometimes you find some people from Muzdalifah, the bus take them straight to Mecca for Tawaf. So you're one of those people. You find yourself in a bus. You think they're going to drop you by the Jamara. You find yourself in a Haram. What you do? You make Tawaf and Sa'i. And then come to the Jamara, inshallah. Okay? As for, I want to point out to us something we did uh, before. But as for the Hadi, the slaughter. Of course, it is better to slaughter yourself. Alhamdulillah, and the sunnah is that you eat from that animal, okay, and you give the rest to the poor of the people, you know, the like. However, 
these days it's very, very, very difficult to do this. For those who have the ability to do it, yes, they should do that. It's okay. It's great reward, alhamdulillah. However, the ulama, they mention that it is permissible to give the money of Hadi to those organization that is approved by the government and by the ulama. I'll just give it to anybody, come to you and say, hey, because sometimes people, they will come to the hotels and they're like, they, they talk into the, to the hijaj, look, we, here we go, they have a coupons or whatever, receipts, look, we, with this group, we can do the hadith for you and we can do the hadith uh, in Somalia, in Pakistan, in Syria, in Algeria, I don't know where, look, this, these countries, they like dying, they need uh, in Africa, in Asia, or whatever, the Morocco, Egypt, especially now with all this chaos and all of this fitan. He says, no, you don't do it that way. Because this is uh, your hajj. If you want someone to do it on your behalf, then you have to do it through those people who are given rukhsa, permission, by the government. They are sponsored by the government and they are praised by the ulama, such as Rajhi, Mu'assasat Rajhi. If you go to Medina or Mecca, you're going to see them, they have boots. Boots where in the places, it's called Mu'assasat Rajhi. You go there and tell them, I want to pay for my hadi and they will give you a receipt. Shaykh Al-Uthaymin said, that's what you do, because this hadi. It is not for the poor people in Morocco, or Senegal, or Mali, or Egypt, or Somalia, or Ethiopia, or Pakistan, or Bangladesh, or India, or Syria. No. This hadith is for the masakeen in the haram. First. Okay? So he says, likewise, the Sheikh Rauti, he mentioned the Udhiyah too. The Udhiyah, which is those who are not in Hajj, they are every, everywhere in the world. He says someday, no, 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 don't make the Udhiyah, just send the money to the people in this country or the other country. They need money for this, for that. The Sheikh says, no, this is not how it's done. Al-Udhiyah min sha'air al-Din. yuriduna an yutmisu hadihi sha'ira. He says, the slaughter is from the sha'air of the religion. If everybody give money to another country, these children, they don't know what the Eid is. And it will be forgotten. Says now you slaughter, and if you want to help the other people, help them. You can still send some money to help them. Okay. Same example for zakat al-fitr. Some people they says why zakat al-fitr? Nobody need rice in here and this. Let's just send money to another country. People need it for clothing, for rent, for electricity. No, you you practice the sunnah, and if you want to help your Muslims, you can. Insha'Allah Taala. So alhamdulillah, this mu'assasa, mu'assasa al-rajhi, it is proven by the ulama, from the Sheikh Ibn Uthaymeen, Sheikh Abdul Ubaid al-Jabiri, Salih Suhaymi, many scholars, they said, yes, they trustworthy and they do the job, they hire students of knowledge from the kulliyat and the institutes of knowledge, and they, they do, alhamdulillah, they make sure that the poor of the haram, they, they are... Uh, given enough, and then alhamdulillah they have the means. This is a big, Mu'assat um, al-Rajhi is a big company. So they have the means to take care of the, 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 the meat, 
they freeze it and they send it. Alhamdulillah, they have the means. They send it to other countries and the like. Okay? So once you get there, ask for that, inshallah ta'ala. The third point, the Shaykh says, <clears throat> these actions, these four actions, remember you're still in Ihram now, in a state of Ihram, which meaning that you cannot touch perfume, you cannot shave, you cannot do this and this if someone has with his wife, and all of that. But three things. If a person do three out of these four, he has the first tahallul. What do you mean first tahallul? That everything that was haram for him in the state of ihram become halal except enjoying his wife. That's it. That one he has to finish the fourth one. Okay, to be complete tahallul. This three is the, the, the slaughter, the, the, the actually two. If he does two of these three, he will have the first tahallul. What are these two of three? Whether the slaughter, the, the rami al-aqaba, al-aqaba, or the shaving and the tawa. For example, if a, if a person came on that day, do jamrat al-aqaba. After Jamrat al-Aqaba, what was the Prophet did? Slaughter the Hadi. So you, you have already paid for that. It's like you consider it done for you. Now after Jamrat al-Aqaba, you shave your head. At that time, you can come out of, of your clothing of Ihram, as the Prophet did. When he, the Prophet when he did this, before he go for tawaf, he took a shower and put his regular clothing, and Aisha put some, some perfume on him, some... Some, some misc and the like. Tayyip, you do the same thing. But everything becomes permissible except intercourse. And that will become permissible after the person makes tawaf for the mutamatta when they finish tawaf al ifada and the side. Qala nahr fala alaqatalahu bitahallul. Because the shaykh, he says, as for, for uh, slaughter, has nothing to do with you coming out of the state of Ihram. Why? Because it is only applicable only on the mutamatti and the qarin. The mufrid, this doesn't apply on him. Who knows why the, the hadith does not apply on the mufrid? Huh? Because there is no hadith on the mufrid. <laughs> That's why. See, that's why the, the slaughter it is not included in the things that decide you coming out of the state of Ihram because the Mufrid doesn't even have nothing on him, no hadith on the Mufrid. So whoever does the three, all of them, then that person has the complete tahallul, including the women. But if he does only two out of the three, then he has to, the first Tahallul and then the complete tahallul after he finished all three of them. Now, Fadliyah. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. 
أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على السلاة حي على السلاة حي على الفلاح حي على الفلاح الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله Now, I want to make clear this word, tahallul, because I've seen in the eyes of some brothers in my life, they were lost. Remember, when you, when you engage in a state of ihram, when you say, labbaik Allahumma hajj, at that moment, there are certain things that you should know, and we mentioned before, become haram upon you to do. Alright? Until you come out of that state of ihram. And coming out of that state of ihram is not by choice, whenever you want, no. If you complete certain things, you with me now? So that's tahallul. In umrah, when you do umrah, all you have to do, when in the miqat, when you say, لَبَّيْكَ اللَّهُمَّ umrah, now those things become haram for you, no, no perfume and the like, okay? When you become permissible for you, everything, when you make tawaf, Say and shave your head or trim it at that time everything becomes permissible for you here when you make the ihram for hajj everything becomes haram those things are still haram until the day of the Eid the day of the Eid if, the, if, you, if, if that person do the jamrat al-aqaba and shave he can come out of all of the, the, the these things that become forbidden. They become permissible except one. What is it? His wife. Cannot touch his wife. Okay? Cannot enjoy her. He has to do the third one. That's what he means. Tahallul al-awwal wa tahallul al-thani. We continue tomorrow. Inshallah. Hada wa sallallahu wa sallam ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam wa taslim al-kathira.